Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Real people doing real deals in real estate and no fake gurus allowed. We bring you the best and the most real real estate investors in the space. They'll be showing you the good, the bad, and the ugly of real estate investing. Like, share, subscribe, get notified. It's the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have a, <clears throat> sorry about that, 30-year veteran, I would say 30 plus, right? 30 plus. Mr. M. Ray Pantak. Thank you so much for coming in, Ray. Thank you, Ricardo. Appreciate the opportunity. So tell me, man, who are you? Well, the thing I would say is that there's the underdog. Right. And the underdog is somebody who has to overcome a few extra things. So I grew up in Michigan. And I grew up in, like many people have, an abusive family where my father had a bit of a temper. And when he lost his temper, it wasn't much. And the belt came out and the whipping came out. And that was it. That, that sort of influenced my attitude slightly early wow. on. And I was introverted already. So between me having the glasses my parents picked out and the haircut my parents picked out and this thing called bullies were attracted to me. Wow. It was not, <clears throat> not unusual that I'd be thrown in the mud and they'd be laughing. And it was tough. When you were a kid. When I was a kid. And so one thing I learned to do early on was to run because <laughs> I wasn't good at fighting. Got it. But I got into cross country. I, I was on the cross country team. We won the championship. I also got in wrestling because cross country wasn't tough enough. I had to toughen up. Got it. And, and then I, did, I got the school record in the two mile. And so that led to confidence. That led to opportunities. But I stuttered because of everything I've been through. So I had serious communication issues. I never had a girlfriend. I did, you know, entrepreneur businesses starting at like 11 years old, cutting yards, things like that. But I just had a lot of things in terms of I was the opposite of a salesperson. Yeah, your, your seven-year-old was full of limiting beliefs. Exactly. Because they were ingrained in you by, by your parents and Early by the on. environment. Early on. Yeah, wow. So... Um, so that explains why you, uh, you told me at the class that you do uh, NLP stuff as well, so self-development and all that, right? Exactly. So, good. So, all right. So you graduated high school in Michigan, right? Yes, in Michigan. And then I went to a community college because I knew I had a brother and sister coming up behind me, and my parents were not wealthy. <clears throat> my dad was an engineer. My mom was a nurse, very middle class. But basically, we had like a little farm where I was the fastest goat milker, so I had to milk the goat twice a day. But that was a good thing that, you know, nature and family and farm and environment type thing. But uh, it developed a love for nature, and then I looked into what it paid or what it didn't pay, and I'm like, how are you going to make it on 12000 a year? But I also was interested with the sports in noticing that the Olympic athletes, like especially the East Germans, the Russians, they were doing something a little different. So it got me in high school studying psychology and studying hypnosis and studying personal oh, wow. development. And I, I said – I thought I was going to go into psychology until I researched that. And it's like, hmm, that's mostly working with sick people in mental hospitals. I don't want to work with sick people. Yeah. I want to work with well people. But I didn't know about trainers or training or speaking or any of that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until I got out of college, and it took me five years. But wow. uh, 
I, I moved, I literally graduated on a Saturday, left on a Sunday, was in Dallas on Monday to make my fortune in real estate because I've been reading these books. And I read, a, my mom got a book for like a dollar at a garage sale called How I Turned a $1,000 into a Million Dollars Investing in Real Estate in My Spare Time. And that was a book that uh, William Nickerson was like the original guru out there who wrote the very first book that I'm aware of. And then there's guy, Albert Lowry, who was a butcher who read the book and became a millionaire. And the Lowry, Lickers, the, uh, Lowry Nickerson seminar was the first one I went to in Detroit at about you know, 1819. What year is this? Uh, that was probably about 1976, okay. early se- uh, late 70s, and uh, right before I graduated from college. But it was like an enormous sum of $300 <laughs> to, and go? to go to this weekend. And that seemed like it might have been 30000 back at well, that Well, back time. then, that was a lot of money. Back then. And so one thing that stood out to me is they had these groups called a Real Estate Investor Support Group. And I found out they had one in Dallas. So I said, well, as soon as I get to Dallas, I'm going to find out about that. And I did. And one of the things that made such an impact is there was a guy that was an average guy that was there who'd just been doing it for five or ten years. But he'd been buying in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, in the suburbs, and he was a millionaire. And I looked at him, and I go, he doesn't look anything... Like a millionaire. Yeah, he doesn't look like my concept of a millionaire. Right, he looks right. like an average guy that was blue-collar, working well, the, class. Because yeah. you're right. The concept of a millionaire is what we see on, on social media. Nowadays is social media, but on TV, on actors, actresses, uh, baseball players, or, or basketball players. Like, these people that are some sort of... Uh, uh, celebrities, right? A lot of bling. That's a lot of bling, right? Uh, that's what we we are. That's what media is pushing on us to believe that that's what what a millionaire is. But in reality, there is a lot of millionaires out there that are not that are walking without the dollar shine up uh, shining above their head. You know, so exactly. So that's that guy. You know that that had a few properties and he was a millionaire. Yeah, and, and so part of this whole process for me then was even in high school, I was reading these books, and I learned about programming the unconscious mind and how important that was, and I got a cassette tape, and I put together a program, and it was a six-minute endless loop, and I had a timer. I had all this analytical stuff put together, and I played it every night as I fell asleep, and I went from averaging 12 minutes or more to under 10 minutes and getting the school record. So I learned how to reprogram my unconscious mind by studying what the Olympic athletes were doing. And then when I got out, it's funny how we'll do something successfully and then we'll forget. Yeah. And, we'll, and we won't do it again. So I got out of school. And because I had these issues with communication, I'd be eye to eye with somebody in <clears throat> Dallas for an interview. But I would get nervous and I'd turn away. And I'd stutter, and I did things, and then they wouldn't call me back. Wow, yeah. And so, so as a result of all this, I went through however many interviews, and I got discouraged, and I had to make some money. So I got a job as a security guard with a college degree in finance, working 11 o'clock at night till 7 o'clock in the morning so I could avoid people and be in my comfort zone. Wow. And what I was comfortable with was books and reading. And somebody told me to read a book called See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar. Wow. And that was one of the very first books I read that as a result of reading that book, I got thinking, oh, this guy's got cassette tapes too. So I went to the library because I had no money. I'm making $3.25 an right. hour minimum, minimum wage. And, but nobody was there. I was in a secure building downtown with heat and air conditioning and lighting. And I could, I could get paid while I'm continuing to read, which was my comfort zone because I wasn't comfortable talking to strangers or talking to people or doing any of those kind of things. Right. So, and this is after graduating college. I couldn't even interview for a job. I was wow. that, that bad still. And so I read that book. 
I then listened to the tapes, and on the tape it said, record live in Dallas, Texas. And I thought, wow, maybe I could see this Zig Ziglar guy live. And they had the big rallies with the big conventions with all the different speakers. I'd never even knew such a thing existed. I went to the thing, and I came, and I had my book, and I had Zig Ziglar autograph that book. And wow. one other thing that happened is not only was it amazing, I could meet a Zig Ziglar in person and shake his hand and talk to him eyeball to eyeball, but then he'd mentioned that he had a Christian fellowship at his church where he'd be speaking, and I could come to that. So I, I, I couldn't get enough. So I came to that, sitting there in the front row, and at the end of his presentation at the First Baptist downtown, he said he was doing a Christian fellowship at his home and who would like to come. I couldn't believe it. And here I am, from not knowing who he was, to in a multimillionaire's home that's like, I don't know, three 4,000 square feet. It was the polo club. It was, I mean, I'd never seen such a house. I'd, for someone like me, in my self-concept, to be in a home like that with a person like that that was just friendly and down-to-earth and I could talk to, I thought, this was amazing. That changed my life, and he showed us where he wrote the book, and I met some other people, but that, you know, you never know the slight edge. <clears throat> one little thing, one little opportunity of getting courage, and that's the thing, people listening to this, I want to say. You're a great guy. You're easy to talk to, but some people would be intimidated by someone like you. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, especially I'm. I'm very outgoing, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. But you're very confident, and you're very powerful, and you're very dynamic. And the biggest thing that people need to do is they need to get on your list, and they need to make sure that when you have opportunities, they need to come to trainings. They need they need to meet people like you in person. That's part of the thing is you have these big events and things like that, and they need to get over whatever fear and go to these events and meet the people and see you could be that too. Yeah, you know, let me go back to Zig Ziglar a little bit. And, yes, you're right. You know, we have to get out there. And even myself, right, there's other – people that are at higher levels, right, that I'm constantly reaching out to because I really want to learn from these guys how it is that I, they achieve those levels, yes. right? And I did that last year, but I, I don't want to get too much into my deal. This is, this is more about your story than mine. Um, Zig Ziglar is somebody I wish I would have met. Um, unfortunately, he's no longer around because mm -hmm. he got old, right? right. But uh, my dad used to listen to his tapes. Oh, wow. And we, I grew up in Venezuela, so, yes, I know. you know, trying to come, like, see him, it was, like, impossible because, right. you know, for us, you know, coming to the U.S. was very expensive. Oh, yes. And, like, only rich people did that. Oh, yeah. And we weren't rich by any means, you know. We, we were middle class, trying mm -hmm. to make it, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, I still listen to his material today. And, you know, I, I got so many of his quotes in my head, but... He's that one guy that if I could go back in time and meet him, it would be him. No, I cannot think of anybody else. It's Zig Ziglar because he's so ingrained in my subconscious mind because of my father, not because of me. Right. Because I never picked up his tape or I never chose to to see. I would just think about my dad like he was crazy. I said, man, my dad is listening to these freaking tapes. He's He's got to be out of his freaking mind. Little did I know that thing was just going in exactly. my subconscious mind over and over and over and over and over. especially. And I remember when my dad went from Zig Ziglar to Tony Robbins. Right. Then I said, okay, he lost it. Who the hell is this guy? Because his voice was different, very like you know strong, yes. and because Zig Ziglar has got a voice that is so um, soothing, like yeah. soft and and but it, you know it. He speaks so well. 
mm-hmm. that there's no way you cannot understand this guy, right? Well, Tony's different, you know. Tony's more like power oh, and, and, right. and hitting you, you know. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that you got to meet him uh, because that to me, that would have been a freaking dream come true, oh, honestly. And, and it just changed my life because I couldn't even conceive of something like that being possible, but I devoured personal development. I learned about goals. I learned about sales. I learned about attitude, motivation. I le- so everything that he wrote, I just absorbed. And then that led to one of the goals I set. I was into like National Geographic because it'd been nature and farm and all that kind of stuff. And I saw these natives walking barefoot with scientists across like in Tahiti or some Fiji or whatever it was. And I thought, that's amazing that people can do that. So I was very interested because I'd studied because of human potential and things like that. And I've been researching these different things. And so I wrote down a hundred, I heard, I learned from a guy, um, he wrote the chicken soup for the soul. Oh yeah. Mark Victor Hansen. Yeah. So I I saw Mark Victor Hansen spoke and he said, you need to have a hundred goals, you know, too many goals, all this kind of stuff. So I said, okay, I'm going to write down some outrageous stuff in 10 years. I'm going to go to Fiji or whatever. And I'm going to do walk across the hot fire coals. And then within less than 10 months, Tony Robbins, at 21 years old or whatever it was, came to Dallas, Fort Worth for the very first time and did his firewalk experience that was $99. I was still a security guard. It was a big deal for $99, but I was there, and the very first firewalk that Tony Robbins ever did, I walked those coals. And that list of 100 goals that I thought was going to take me 10 years, I accomplished over 90% of them in 10 months. Wow. I went on from being a security guard to becoming vice president of a securities firm. I went from driving a pickup truck to my BMW. I got my Armani suit. I got like all these things, uh, traveling. I was ballooning. I was sailing. I mean, it was just the, the, by writing it down and having the clarity of exactly what I wanted and seeing myself already there. And I didn't know how. I didn't have the money. I, I, I had no idea how this could happen. Matter of fact, I've been trying to get in the financial services for a while. And every time they say, well, kid, you don't have any experiences. And the other book that was big impact was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Absolutely. Especially the burning desire. And especially there's a little chapter there about the little black girl that goes and says, my mommy's got to have 50 cents. And then that, that desire and defiance in front. And so when I was meeting with this guy, Tom, who had the financial company, and for six months he'd been turning me down, telling me no, and I kept persisting, persisting. I learned the power of persistence. And finally he said, well, I talked to the president of the company that, you know, I have to screen through him. And he said, you just don't have. And I looked him in the eye, and based on what I learned from Think and Grow Rich, I said, Tom, you can tell me no, you can tell me hell no, but I'm going to keep coming back until you say yes. So what are you going to do about that? He was like taking it back because I was like this meek little nerdy guy still. And he just <laughs> was stunned. And he thought about it for a moment. He said, okay, then I'll, I'll try you out on a 90-day trial. Because, again, I wouldn't take no for an answer. And I see so many people get discouraged. And I see so many people give up. And it's so important that you have to study this and you have to internalize this and the repetition. You know all this because no. I watch you and I, even, I was so impressed when I saw you smudging the house, that one thing. Because oh, I study I, everything. I do it here too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people don't yeah. understand the importance of everything being energy. Yeah. And so that's why it's even like how in the world could you walk barefoot across hot coals without burning? And my analytical... I'm just still this pain in the you-know-what analytical has to have proof. So yeah. I got across the coals okay, and then a little, uh, whatever you call it, got on the, my top of my uh, 
toe. Yeah. And I burned. That's the one that burned. Yeah, I got a burn on top, not on the bottom, because when you come across those coals, you're like in a trance, and you go wipe your feet on this moss, and they got a sprayer, and they t- and you come literally, you're in a trance, and you come out of the trance. And when I did, I'm like, ow, but it was just on the top of my toe because I had to have proof that this was real. Right. And, and, and so that's what I see with real estate is so many people hesitate because they don't, they question too much. They don't believe, even you, you'll show them checks and you'll show them and you show them everything. And they still I had a guy, so yeah. check this out. Yeah. I have a guy, um, he's one of my students, right? Mm-hmm. And we had a call, uh, I would say maybe two months ago. He already collected a check. So he already did a transaction. Mm-hmm. He's still questioning whether this works or not. I'm like, dude, what do you want? What more can like, you do? Like you, you got a check, right? Yeah, yeah. I got a $5,000 check. Okay. Go get more of those. Maybe get your check a little bigger. Yeah. But don't question. Like, yeah. it works. You yeah. know, these, what, what I taught you works. Exactly. Now, the, the, the thing is, some of these people want our success and our results mm-hmm. overnight. Exactly. That does not happen. Exactly. Even even if I try to learn everything you've learned in the last thirty years, I won't be able to do it. It's it's, it's like unless there is a new chip that you can, I can put in your head, <laughs> download, then put it in mine. Boom. Uh-huh. Okay, now I know what everything that that, yeah. that you know. But like that doesn't translate like that. And for that, you have to do a lot of trial and error, right? And right. And, and be sure that you're gonna fail and that you're gonna lose money on some deals, and that some deals are gonna become nightmare deals, right? You have to deal with all that stuff. Otherwise, you'll never be able to cross to get the you know across the other side. So, exactly. so you're right. You know, it, it takes it takes a long time. Uh, you know, experience comes from that, from experience. It doesn't come from, you know, oh, okay, I'm just gonna grab his experience and throw it. No, you have to go through yourself. Well, I'm a big believer in both. I'm a big believer in learn all you can. And you can shorten your learning curve. I agree. And, and you need to have a team. No, no, I yeah. agree. So if I want to learn, if I want to learn yes. what you know, then I just hire you as a coach. Okay, yeah. Ray, what do I do here? You yeah. know, like I, I'm doing this right now. But if I want to learn how to, you know, buy these tax liens that you've been doing lately or whatever, and I don't know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna shorten that time just by association, right? right. So if I get with you, you're gonna be like, yep, you know, my fees. Let's, I'm not. Let's pretend. This is five thousand dollars, and I'm gonna show you how to get from point A to point B. Is that is that worth is that worth to you? Absolutely, because you know what? Now I just plugged in myself into a new strategy that I didn't have before, and who knows how much money that was that will make us, right? So, right. so you're right. By association, we learn. I I say it all the time. You can either take the stairs or you can take the elevator. Mm-hmm. When you choose to go with education, paid education, or or mentorship or coaching, right? I, and there is a difference in between all three of them, okay? Like a teacher, a mentor, and a coach. Mm-hmm. There are three different animals. I consider myself a coach. Mm-hmm. I don't like teaching uh, because teaching is like giving a subject and let them figure it out, right? It's like when we go to college. Mm-hmm. We go to college and they teach us. We take notes and we take tests and then you either pass or you don't. But then it's up to you to go and... And, implement and implement right right a coach is kind of like all right let's implement it together let, yeah. let let's let's write Acc- on the accountability there is accountability right. there is like hey when you're swinging the bat make sure you're putting your you know yes. your arms like your hands like this not mm-hmm. like that so there is more 
hands-on with a coach. Exactly. And mentors, sometimes they're mentoring people that just don't even know it because people are looking up to them and they're learning from what they do and what they project, but they don't necessarily have to, like I got many mentors, right? These guys, these, these guys don't even know me. No. But I look up to them all the time. Like, okay, what is this guy doing? Okay, so anyhow, first real estate deal. When did that happen? Well, I was in Dallas, and I was going to the local Rio group, and I mentioned that thing about that Lowry Nickerson, and I learned that Lowry Nickerson had started this group that then got sort of swallowed up by uh, Robert Allen when he came along. So there's a whole series of these evolutions that ultimately became these Rio groups. Right. And so... I found out about the one. I went to the one. I started studying everything I could. And the funny thing was, because I didn't know how much I didn't know, every month they had a different speaker and a different topic. And I didn't know there's all these different other areas and stuff. And they had the guy come in. And it's like, okay, would you like $10,000 a month passive income from apartments? It's like, well, who wouldn't? Well, it's only $1,000 in your credit card. And, you know, drink the Kool-Aid, run the back of the room. And I had to buy it. He's a good salesman. Right. And so I bought the course. And then Somehow his presentation in that 90 minutes and the course and how to buy a million-dollar apartment complex, they seem to want $250,000 cash, and I, I missed that part. <laughs> of Where was I going to get this kind of money to buy this apartment complex? Right. But not to be disappointed, next month there's another speaker, and the next one, one of them was on wobbly boxes. I'm like, wobbly boxes? What the heck is that? But it's like I could get into a mobile home for only $1,000. I got to try it. Well, I didn't realize that this was like not the A, B, C. This was the D. And so that part, a scary part of town, I went over there because, again, I was an action taker. Even in spite of my fear, I took action. And I'm there, and I'm looking around. I see this guy, and he's got just like in the movies, the kind of hairstyle and the kind of belly with the shirt with the holes, and he's got the teeth, and he's got the chain and the tattoos and the whole everything. And I'm just, my heart's just beating out of my chest. And I say to him, excuse me, sir, have you lived here long? And he almost sprayed. It's like this anger. I just got a pen. And I'm like, pen? I mean, what? Oh, you mean like prison? <laughs> and so when I realized that that was something the clientele there, I, I just bravely said, and can I ask what you're in for? Armed robbery. I'm like, okay. And I think, well, maybe mumble homes aren't for me. <laughs> yeah. But again, another course. And I just, course after course after course, trying to find my way, I was lost. And then one day some guy comes and says, well, if you don't like people <laughs> and you don't like tenants and contractors and all those headaches, there's this thing called paper. Like paper, oh yeah, if you're analytical and financial, and this would be ideal for you. I go, I may have found my thing. Paper, how does this work? And I had to buy the course, had to leverage, you know, my rent and everything else. And I get, I'm calling the script, and the guy said, "Did you buy that course from the guy that just came through town? You're the third guy using the same script." I'm thinking, how is this ever going to work for me? But I learned to persist, and finally I got a guy, John, who had, was head local RIA, and in five years he'd gone from being like a manager for Foley's, you know, one of these big department store chains, to full-time, but he bought an Oak Cliff, he bought in the low end, and he could deal with those kind of tenants in Section 8 and the different things like that, and, and he had that personality, and I learned very quickly that wasn't the right fit for me, but some guy came along, kind of puts his arm around you and says, oh, you're new, perfect. You've never done a deal before. You know nothing. Perfect. But you got a job. You got credit. You can get a loan. Have I got a deal for you? There's this duplex. I mean, it's for fourplex, converted duplex to fourplex in the hood. <laughs> and you can get in with no money down because I've got control of everything here. And all I need to do is have you get this loan. It's like, okay. So I didn't know what I was doing still. I got this loan, and it was 60000 for a fourplex. But I learned basic Spanish. Espanol, la renta, mañana. Yeah. 
Well, what do you mean they'll rent this? <laughs> I would go there Friday. By this point, I become vice president of financial planning firm. I had my BMW when I was lucky enough on a Friday night to have a date. I'd say, no, no, it's not that dangerous here, but stay in the car with the doors locked where I can see you as I go knock, knock, knock. It's as if they all knew I was coming. Right. And they were all vomino, right? And so nobody was there when I collected rent. I had to come back the next morning, and I learned another word, cerveza. <laughs> yeah. Because there were empty cerveza bottles everywhere. And I had hair back then when I started. <laughs> but that was a nightmare landlord experience that is the kind that would turn people off. Because I, if I had time, I could go into all the horror stories of what happened. But bottom line is that $60,000 loan sold at foreclosure for $6,000. And when it did, I learned who that guy was, which was a guy more like you. And I'm thinking, now, I need to learn how to become that guy, not buying at the top and selling at the bottom. I need to learn how to buy at the bottom. I need to learn about foreclosures. I need to learn. There's so much I didn't know that I didn't know. Right. And then that led to now me getting better training with the people who did. And there was a, a couple, two attractive blondes, never hurts, from Florida. And they had the boot camp. It was like 2000 3000 whatever. So I got their program. I applied their program. I did a foreclosure. I made my money back. And then they came a year later and talked about short sales. I ended up... That I ended up investing $20,000 over about 10 years with that because everything they taught worked and I kept learning. I ended up doing over 20 short sales and over $400,000 on that. And particularly here, there's one, I'm sure you've heard of a neighborhood called Oak Forest, which is high mm -hmm. end. All the realtors 20 years ago told me, oh, it's too late. There's no deals. The builders are coming in, blah, blah, blah. I, I did my marketing campaign. Consistent marketing. You and I both believe yep. the consistent marketing. And so I did every single door in that neighborhood. And one day the phone rings and says, I, I see you buy and you'll do a short sale. And yeah, I said, where is it? Oak, Oak Forest. I said, Oak Forest, I'll be right there. Yep. <laughs> so I negotiated a short sale. He owed about 150 I got it for 80 Did about 20 in rehab. Just did enough to keep it rental because I go to do a teardown. About 17 years later, I moved in for the last two years to, and I sold it to a builder for about 300 made about 200000 tax-free on that deal. So one of the things I like is tax-free money yeah. and applying all the different rules. So Abs over the years. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and um, so... So you live here in Houston for a while. I used to live here in Houston right. for probably about 20 years, and there's a group that was called the Ridge Club. Yep. That I uh, that was one of the reasons I actually moved here from Dallas, and I got on the board of directors, and then I became the guy that they had a focus group on different topics. And so when the organizer for the uh, wholesaling stepped down, I thought to myself, now this would be a good opportunity because I've mastered the fundamentals of wholesaling, but ethical wholesaling. Right. And, and where you actually do your work, You've got reasonable comps with the disclosure, say, hey, your comps might be different and the repairs and everything else. But I really taught people to have a full package and don't expect the buyer to do your job. Have at least enough information that they can make a decision. Right. And, and you know, just all the basic fundamentals. But I was teaching this for free, if you were a member of the group. But I'd get 20, 40 people in the room. And I was there looking for the guy who had a deal who would then sell it to me. And that then evolved into somebody asking me if I would do some kind of coaching mentoring. And I did that before back in Dallas, but for business owners and salespeople back in the 80s. And now it got to be the 90s. And I was doing real estate. So I just figured out how to find somebody who had no experience and teach teach them to find deals, bring them to me. I would negotiate the deal. I would structure the deal. They'd make five, seven, ten thousand dollars $10,000, but I'd make twenty-five to 50000 as the buyer on the deal. Got it. And yeah, you'd capture equity and exactly. you know, many different ways, right? So, so uh, when do you uh, leave Houston? Uh, what year? Yeah. Well, literally, uh, I sold my last property in Houston in 2019, December 2019, 
and I saw that the COVID thing was going to hit hard right. in the bigger cities, and I didn't want to be in lockdown. And I'd already been begun studying about the tax liens and tax deeds, and I had some connections in Birmingham. So I thought, hmm. So I weighed, and I love being active and outdoors and things like that. And I couldn't believe that they were shutting down in Texas the ability to go on the river and go float down the river, which is one of the things I do in the summer pretty much every week. Right. And I'm like, they're shutting it down here, but Birmingham they didn't. So that year, 2020, I moved to Birmingham and I started doing things more virtual. I'm still doing things here, but I started doing things. That's what got you there. That's part of what got me there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, also, like, it was so funny because in March of 2020. (laughs) To me, it's like, who the hell wants to go to Birmingham? Yeah. Well, and that's what I thought myself until there's mountains. I mean, it's even higher than the hill country. There's all kind of rivers. There's all kind of fishing. There's all kind of, I had no idea how beautiful it was and how many hills there was and how much I would go out every single week. I literally bought a kayak for the first time because I had a group that I was going with. And we, on 4th of July, we went tubing for like $10. Meanwhile, everything was still shut down back in Texas. And so I would come back and forth. But literally, I remember I couldn't come through Louisiana because they had this quarantine. I literally would drive around through Arkansas to come back to Texas. And, and so I was paying attention. But in March of 2020, when they had the whole big scare and lockdown and everything else, I thought, well, nobody's traveling. I'll get a good deal on a rental car. I got a rental car for $99 a week, unlimited miles. And I had it for like eight weeks or something. And I went to like 10 states. And I was pursuing notes, and there was a group. Everything went to Zoom. So I was on these group with notes, and I was working with people who were new. And I said, well, no problem. Have you seen it? Well, I'll go see it. You will? Yeah, well, you know, let me give a chance to buy it or get a piece of it or whatever. And I'm a big believer in networking, building relationships. So I went and looked at one in St. Louis, and it's like, did you know the back wall was falling down? Did you know the city code enforcement? Did you know they're trying to get hold of you? <laughs> and I said, and I went to one in Kansas City. So there's certain markets that I was familiar with that I liked. And I was into either seller financing or buying notes, and I, I play both sides. And so the main teacher I learned from all that was a guy named Jimmy Napier, and Jimmy Napier wrote a fantastic book, Invest in Debt. And so between his book and then studying with him in person, I go, wow, there's this whole other world of passive income that I could have without having to have tenants, without having to have headaches. And so I I just couldn't get enough, especially Texas is great for seller financing, and there's huge demand to buy those notes as well. So Jimmy Napier, and then he had associates, a guy named Jack Miller, John Schaub, Peter Fortunato, Pete's still around, John Schaub's still around. So these are a lot of my real estate mentors that they're not the hype, they're not the guru type but no they're the real deals the real deal and so uh to this day if they've got a program and and jack miller before he passed i knew it was getting that point i literally scheduled my life around every single month going to one of his trainings around the country the last year or two of his life wow yeah yeah my friend ray sasser mentions every single one of those guys all the time well ray and i used to teach uh, at the rich club and we would do the uh, bus tour and we did the bus tour he was the expert on rehab i was never quite as strong in rehab but i was good at finding deals in the wholesale so we have another guy that was the inspector guy uh, kevin smith and so the three of us would be and we'd each get the group and i say okay that group go there here come out the street why are we going out in the street because that house is on the mls and it's not a deal Oh, yeah, I think with those numbers, well, we just had to have something for a demonstration, but I'll show you how to find a deal. What are you going to do that? Here, let's look up down the street. See that vacant one? Let's go. What? Yeah, come on, hurry, hurry. And so we go, and the back door, it's, it's unlocked. Is this, is this okay? 
I don't see any no trespassing signs. Come on, let's <laughs> go find a house on the same street just a couple doors down that was vacant. I said, now this is the deal that I would buy, and I would wholesale this. Now, it's too much rehab. So I wholesale, if it's minor rehab, get with me, we'll work together. And that's, again, how that started, where people, I would teach them, and they'd find a deal, bring it to me. They were scared. But I would be the rehabber. I'd say, you could learn watching me doing the rehab. they go, oh. And so, again, I just leveraged every opportunity. But Ray's a great guy. I've known him for a long time. Yeah, I remember uh, a few, a couple of years ago, maybe two, uh, three or four years ago, when I was a big rehabber, uh-huh. um, I get a phone call from one of the top gurus in, in the country, which – you know, but I'm not going to mention mm-hmm. his name here. Uh, it wasn't the guru calling me. It was somebody else calling me on behalf of the guru. Right. Uh, said, Ricardo, uh, so-and-so is coming to town. They're going to they're gonna do a bus tour for their students and all that. <laughs> yeah. Is it okay if we walk your rehabs? Uh-huh. And I thought about it for a second. And I was like, no. Like, why would I want you to walk through my rehabs? Uh-huh. It's a liability for me, you know. And exactly. they go, well, you know, we gotta we gotta show some properties to his students. I said, yeah. How much money am I making on that? Uh-huh. And they go like, well, nothing. It's just a favor. I was like, well, I'm not doing that favor. I'm sorry, uh-huh. because I don't know if somebody trips and falls in my house exactly. where I got some nails laying around. They poke their eye or something. Then exactly. I'm the one on the hook because you know. Right. And and they're like, no, we can sign waivers. I'm like, no, guys, just not. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not interested. But. They were selling their, those particular students the idea that they were actually doing those rehabs themselves. I know. And I'm like, really, dude? Is that how fake you are? That's you know, how like fake they are absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, so anyhow, and I and I actually like the guru. I like the guy because I yeah. he's legit. But it's just that they didn't have properties to show exactly. at the time, so we're, they're just finding somebody with a bunch of properties. I said, no, I'm sorry, I turned them down. Well, and the thing I saw with a lot of these gurus out there like this is that they would charge ten thousand dollars for one bus seat, and the local rear group that I did with Ray, we were like two or three hundred dollars for the entire weekend, all day Saturday, and the bus tour on Sunday, and we're like a couple hundred bucks as a nonprofit, and they're charging ten thousand a seat, and they're making like a million dollars a month. The difference is, you guys were trying to really help people out, right. you know, get into this business and do the rehabbing and all that. Those guys were trying to make money on seats. That was oh. it. They didn't care if you learn or not. Yeah, and and one article was the one guy was making $50 million a year in the seminar business, and when you're in the guru seminar business making $50 million a year, who needs to do real estate? I mean, it's like they're not making that kind of money doing real estate. No, you don't. And and the, the reality is, so I talked to a couple of guys that are doing mm-hmm. $20 million each right now, mm-hmm. um, and and they said they, they told me something that really opened up my eyes was, Ricardo, people are starving for the education side. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't even pressure them hard to, to, to you know, to, so they can commit mm-hmm. because we are all wired for education, mm-hmm. but not for taking action and implementing. Right. That's why colleges do so well. Universities do so well. You think that the, the dean of a university is going to call you five years from now to uh, wondering how you're doing? No. No. The, the, you're just another number going exactly. through there, right? And getting a diploma. So that's what those education companies are. That's why I never align with those guys that are pitching these these expensive seminars. Not that I'm against the model, I'm not mm-hmm. because you have you're gonna pay edu- for education one way or another. Right. It doesn't matter. Like right. you're either gonna pay those guys or you're gonna pay the streets or the contractor is gonna steal money from you. Whatever you're gonna pay for education one way or another. What I like to do is I want to vet my educator better. Exactly. Make sure that educator is actually doing what he said he's doing. Exactly. Show me really your projects. Like, okay, 
if you're a rehabber, how many houses are you rehabbing right mm -hmm. now? If you're a wholesaler, how many deals are you doing right now? And how do you do these deals? Can you show me some proof of concept, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of those seminar companies, they're not. Right. They're just con artists. Well, it, it's it's a full-time job just traveling around the country yep. from city to city. And I even saw one of the big, well-known ones out there. They would do Dallas. They would do Houston. They would get 500000 Dallas, 500000 Houston, a million dollars for that weekend. And then they were on to the next two cities. And they were doing a mil. I was, and, and I went to some of these, the 90-minute the pitch, and I paid the... 99 or 199 for the weekend because I want to be I thought nothing else I'll network and meet some people right but I, I've actually went through the initial and then I came down the time for the 25 50,000 or your extra special platinum for a hundred thousand and and there's a lady I met <clears throat> she paid a hundred thousand in California and she did one deal in two years wow having paid a hundred thousand and she made forty thousand on a four hundred thousand dollar house in San Antonio that's how we met her and and I'm thinking how you pay a hundred thousand and you don't even break even in two years? Yeah, I mean a lot of them are, are paying for education. They're they're and yeah. they're afraid of moving forward, right? And you might have present she might have been presented with the right deals. She just didn't take them. Yeah. Because she was afraid of it. Yeah. She's okay putting that money in education because she she values education a lot more than maybe making money or taking action. And that that's yeah. probably what it is. Well, I I value marketing as much or more than education. So literally I had a guy and he, one of these gurus, he paid $5,000 for some online program for six months. And then he learned about the local Rio group from them. There wasn't one in Southeast Texas, Beaumont, Port Arthur. So he drove the 90 miles to come to Houston, went to the rich club, learned, asked around. They said, well, that Mark guy, he's teaching wholesale. And that's a good place to get started. So he approached me and asked if I would take him on with him being as far as he is. And I said, well, Houston's going to blow up eventually. And when it does, the secondary market like yours is going to be a place I want to be. So sure. So he's now done over 120 deals and he's got 12 rentals and he's got notes and he's got passive income. So everybody else at his job is nervous about losing their job. He just smiles because if they let him go, he's already got it. But he still kept his job because he enjoys it. He's really got it down to where it's not that high of stress. But I told him, Keep that W-2 as long as you can because you want to get those loans and lock in that low interest rate. So he's found a balance for himself. Especially right now. Right now, so you should get right those now. loans. When, when, I, when I was rent, uh, refinancing houses for rentals, mm -hmm. it was a bad time, you know, because it was uh, post-2008. Right. So the, the loans that we have today for, like, non-QM and all that stuff at 3%, like, that didn't exist. Most of those loans were seven, eight, and nine percent. Oh yeah. Um, and you know now you can get a two, three percent loan, but back then it, they were seven, eight, or nine, and they got all this red tape, so you could refinance. That I'm like, mm -hmm. I gave up on it. That's why I became a rehabber, you know, right. because I was I rather flip houses, make an income by that, mm -hmm. by doing that, as opposed to keeping these rentals, which I didn't care for anyways. I, I was never a good landlord. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, not that, was, that, I, that I was a bad landlord to my tenants, it's just that I didn't enjoy being a landlord. Right. So, because I had to evict people and, you know, right. do the things that are uncomfortable because, you know, you're putting a family on the streets. Exactly. So, it, it, I had a, a conflict with that, you know, and, 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 and a lot of the times was true mm -hmm. that they were going through, through struggles. Some other times they were just playing the game, you That's know. That's true. Um, and eventually I got out of that. But anyhow, Ray, so what's next for you? Like, You've done all kinds of stuff. A lot of things. And, and I think that's part of the process for people is you have to find your lane. 
and you have to sort of stick your toe in water and a couple different things and try and, and until you find what's the right fit for you. So what ultimately became the right fit for me was creative finance because I love the creativity. I love helping people. I love seeing things that other people didn't see. And one example of that was in 2009 when everything was melting down and the banks were failing and nobody could get a loan. I had a client and she, um, I'll never forget just a quick example because she had this website and it was like a, you know, the kind you buy that, you know, everybody gets the same one. And I said, well, let me at least take, take a look at it. And I said to her, where's the phone number? She said, what phone number? I said, well, based on what you told me, the demographic that you're going after is an older person and I'm becoming <laughs> that older yeah. person and that person wants to talk to a live person. So you need to do something to have a phone number on your website so that they can call and talk to a person. You're going to be, that one little thing will be a huge, as back to the coaching thing again about, right. you know, so she did that, as I said, and within literally a week, she called me all screaming excited because she had a house over in Spring Branch. And when she, as soon as she said Spring Branch, I perked up and it's like, yeah, I want to buy there. And then she gave me the name of the street. And I said, well, I know that street. I know the houses on that street. So it was like, I was so zeroed in. I, I had initially one neighborhood, then three, then five. I had 10 specific neighborhoods that I was targeted to find and buy and hold one house a year. So one of those houses was in Oak Forest. One of those houses was uh, actually a couple different neighborhoods in Spring Branch because I could see what was happening south of Interstate 10 and how that was spilling over and how they're going to tear these houses down and, and do that. And so it was just an evolutionary process where I trained people who were scared, who didn't, you know, and I said, all you got to do is find a house, find a motivated seller, bring it to me. I'll take it from there. You'll get to see the paperwork. You'll get to see everything. We'll do the walkthrough together and estimate repair. Everything we'll do hands-on experiential because I'm acting not as a guru as much as I am as a real estate investor, an active real estate investor buying the property you bring me. You'll make the five to seven to 10,000. You got virtually no risk, but I'm looking to do I'm going to deal with the tenants. I'm going to deal with the landlord. I'm going to deal. One other thing I learned from John Schaub was that if you buy a better house in a better area, you're going to get better tenants. <clears throat> and now you can pick and choose. And the thing I see a lot of people that had trouble is they would buy in an area that was all landlord property and all tenants who had the expert tenants. I would like to buy in mostly owner-occupied neighborhoods where there weren't as many tenants. And then that way, I learned from a model that they taught me to get a good tenant who would stay two to five to 10 years. And it's like a golden handcuff type thing. So when once I rehab, once I picked the right house, bought, got the rehab done, got everything done right, then it was on autopilot. And people say to me, who manages your properties? I'd say, the tenants. They go, well, what do you mean? I go, well, they send me the payment and they send me a text. It's then, and I've got all these different properties. And then I evolved where I did Dallas. I did Houston. I started doing multiple cities because I got the model down, but I also got where I could pick up the phone and say, Hey, Ricardo, I need to have you do this. So I, I, I learned how to do things virtual, but I started just in Texas. And then from there I got, and I did one of my first wholesale deals virtual, never saw the house. I thought, wow, I could do this some more. So I just kept learning. And then I learned it was a smaller town, but even though there were cash buyers or investors for these small towns, there were people that were renting there that would be interested in buying. And so then I started evolving that, especially in Texas. There's all these small, I literally just had one in Trent, Texas. And this person said, would you buy in Trent? And I said, well, first question always is, where is it? <laughs> and it's like, well, it's about 20, 30 minutes outside of Abilene. Oh, it's right off the interstate. Oh, and they were asking 15. And by the time I was done, I had it for 8,000 
with 3000 in seller finance and 5000 in cash, and the seller finance was 0%, and, and just everything I do on that property, but, and it's worth, I mean, a house just sold that, so we 80000 Wow. So, so, so yeah, so what I find is there's little niches that are in smaller towns, but people can get the jobs in the bigger towns, yep. but even like, like you talk, your big dot, little dot that you teach, yep. which I really appreciate and respect. And so then I'm even going from that little dot to that smaller yeah, there town. Was, in there was this thing. little town here in Houston, yeah. um, uh, south of Houston called West Columbia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we made, I don't know how much money we made in there, but it was one of those towns that you never probably want to get into because it's like, ooh, who lives here? Exactly. This, this looks dead. And sure enough, people live there, but they commute to all these other areas because it's strategically well-located. Exactly. So there's refineries within 30 minutes. There is mm -hmm. all these plants. And so West Columbia, well, by the way, if you're already getting to uh, West Columbia, you're late. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but I'm pretty sure there's still deals going around. All oh, yeah. right. So... But anyways, Ray, thank you so much for coming in, man. Yeah. Uh, we have to cut this one short, unfortunately, because I have another call right in five minutes, guys. Can, so, can I have 30 seconds, one yes. last thing? So now I buy houses, I do notes, I do apartments. I've got an apartment deal. By the time somebody hears this, it'll be done. But I'm still looking for me, more people interested in passive investing. And if you want to be a passive investor, I know how to find the deals. It's a 40-plus unit in San Antonio. So where are people get in contact with you? Okay. The easiest way is going to be just go on Facebook at M. Ray Pantak, P-A-N-T-A-K. Okay. And so uh, also you could text me. My number is 832 766-6997. So I respond quickly to text or send me a friend request on Facebook. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ray. You I appreciate so much, you Ricardo. for coming in. Appreciate we'll it. have to do this again because you got oh, yeah. so many story, uh, you know, stories. Yeah. And, and I love to interview you one, possibly multiple times. Oh, yeah. So when you're in, back in town, just let me know. That way we can, we, can, we can do this. But, guys, don't forget Attend Growth, May 27, 28, 2022. We're, ha we're, we're getting ready to release a lineup in the next couple of weeks. So actually, by the time you watch this podcast, the lineup had already been released. So I'm looking forward to see you there. Make sure you go get your tickets at attendgrowth.com. We have speakers from all over the country coming in and showing what it is that they do in real estate. There's no gimmicks. There's no, you know, uh, upsells or anything like that. We will be selling stuff because we got to make a living, but... At the same time, there's it, nothing is hidden. Everything is pre-disclosed. We show all the cars up front, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, in our last two masterminds, they, we had great times. You can check out some of the videos on our channel. Uh, we were hanging out on yachts. We were, you know, we went to clubs. We went to, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm putting something together special for this next one. But I'm looking forward to see you there. Don't forget to hit share, like, and subscribe. And I'll see you again. Bye.